Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. Confusion is not always a bad thing. There is this thing called muscle confusion. You don't have to be a meathead in order to know that sometimes physically, when you're exercising, your muscles can kind of know what you're going to do if you're stuck in a rut and do the same thing over and over again. So maybe if you take a power lifter and he wants to, to confuse his muscles and maybe try to trigger a different type of growth, he might do something else for a time. Or you take a long-distance runner and maybe they would do some sprints. Or take somebody who's always swimming and maybe they would, they would do some different type of exercise. Muscle confusion can lead to a, a, a type of growth and greater stamina if applied to the person in the right way. So that kind of confusion is not necessarily a bad thing. We could say some types of mental confusion are not a bad thing either. How many things do you do in the course of a day that you do on autopilot? You might not even remember how you get to work. You're so used to it, you're thinking to yourself, that was a blur and now I'm here. You might not even remember, did I brush my teeth this morning? I hope you did. There are so many things that we even do when we are at work, especially if we've been doing it for a long time. But, but if you had to learn a new trade, a new skill, if you had to undergo a new type of training for a new job, <laughs> there's not a lot of room for autopilot. Your brain will have to be on, kicked into high gear, and you would probably grow. You would most certainly, even though there might be some mental confusion, it could make you smarter and certainly more skilled. When I say that confusion is not always a bad thing, the first thought that you would have if you're anything like me is, yeah, but typically it's pretty bad, especially when we, we look at the world around us. We live in some pretty confusing times, don't we? Is it getting any better as you look at the world around you, the country and culture in which we live? Like tomorrow it might clear up, Nope. Even after just the last few years, there's a lot of political confusion. Depending on if a person is red or blue or purple or polka dotted or whatever color you prefer, the polarization has only gotten more extreme and divided. There's a lot more confusion as people can even speak the same language, but they don't really talk to one another and understand one another. And then there's confusion and confusion almost inevitably leads to conflict, culturally too. Yeah, just about everything becomes politically infused, but culturally, you, you have hot-button issues, and there's going to be more, and then they arise. And depending on what side you're on, you might get canceled, you might get ostracized. People are throwing haymakers, either literally or at least with their words. And, and what happens? There's confusion. The desire to be understood before we understand and then that confusion inevitably leads to more and more conflict. It happens in society. It can happen locally, even in our own community. It can happen in families and in marriages. Is it really true that there could be people who live in the same house, even would be a spouse, and you could speak the same language to one another, and yet you're not on the same page? I'm sure it's not just my house where that happens. <laughs> Just because we can speak the same language, just because we can be connected, and just because we might have access to one another via internet or otherwise, 
does not mean that we understand, does not mean that we are on the same page. In fact, even in those settings, there can be very deep-seated confusion, and that confusion leads to very unfortunate conflicts. Even look at the internet. Early 2000s was the dawn of social media, and when social media was born, it was an opportunity to connect with people, and then all of a sudden, about seven, eight, nine years later, there was the opportunity to like, comment, share, and then information, misinformation, disinformation has been levied, and you're not even sure if it is a human being or artificial intelligence that is sharing whatever it is to the billions of people that are on all of these platforms, and we have all of this access at the tip of our fingers to all of this information, so connected, so able to communicate, so able to see, and yet we all understand one another and we're not confused at all, right? Quicker than I can snap my fingers, somebody could see something that I post or share on the other side of the country, what more even the globe? Being connected, being able to communicate, talking the same language, does not overcome the problems of confusion and conflict. And we would even say there's a spiritual aspect here. So how in all the world do we find a way out of this? How in all the world is God going to give us anything that's going to get over these hurdles so that we would not only be able to perceive properly and understand correctly the confusion that exists out there, but also that confusion that we don't just point to with our index fingers out there, but the deep-seated spiritual confusion that even finds its way inside the walls of our own hearts? What about that? How in all the world could it be, could it be that God would give us something today, specifically that we celebrate today, that would help us not only analyze the world in our hearts, but it would clear the air, get us on the same page with none other than God himself so we would understand him properly and be better equipped for an eternity that far outlasts this confusing, confusing place. That's what Pentecost is all about. In fact, that's what this worship series is all about. And God takes his power and he bottles it up and makes it accessible in our own hands so that he decides that his untethered power would actually be contained in his word to give us the clarity, the opportunity and privilege to diagnose the confusion properly for our good now and forever. I, I invite you to have the lesson open from Genesis 11. I just read that earlier. That's the basis for the sermon today. All these people were of one language. They decide they're going to move to the plains of Shinar. It's a great place to live, very fertile. There's just one problem. The problem wasn't that they all spoke the same language. We're going to get to that in a second. The problem was that they go, they want to go make a name for themselves. They're building a city, a tower that reaches to the heavens, and they're going to stay together. We don't want to be scattered over the face of the earth. The one problem is God had just told them to do that. So parents, think about this. You tell your child, I, I really need you to go clean your room. And their room is that way. And the child says, yeah, I, I don't want to go clean my room, and I'm going to go walk this way. I don't know how it goes in your house, but in Camp Kerbis, that's a no-no. That doesn't fly. To go the opposite way, to belligerently say that you're going to do the exact opposite, need I remind you, this is right after the flood. So, like, let's say for a second, God, I don't know, destroyed the whole world except for Noah, his sons, and their respective wives, eight in all. He just destroyed the whole world. Is now a great time to basically shake your fist at God and say, I don't want to. This is quite audacious to say the least. 
No, we're, we're going to settle right here. And they're there to stay. They're not just setting up some tents to camp before they move on. They're baking bricks thoroughly, and they're using tar for mortar, and they're building a, a tower to heaven. No, they're not building a tower because they think that if they make it high enough, they'll be able to just cross over the pearly gates into God's presence in heaven. No, they're making a name for themselves. This is all about notoriety, the popularity that they would have for their own ingenuity. So is the problem really that they speak the same language? No. God, God says, identifies the real problem. Let's confuse their language because if these people with one language can do this, then what, what is going to be impossible for them? What's the real problem? Well, the real problem is that they, first of all, don't pay any mind to what God says. They, in fact, think that they know better, they're smarter, and they're going to do the exact opposite. And lest we set this aside as just another one of those Sunday school lessons from long ago, do you know anybody else who might find themselves at the base of the Tower of Babel who sometimes thinks to themselves, God says this, but you know what? I just don't want to. Can you think of anyone else who does that? God says, I deserve that first place spot in your heart and in your life. There's nothing else, not an idol literally or a hidden idol in your heart that deserves that first place spot. And yet, when we look at the priorities of our life, when we look at our checkbook, when we look at our calendar, what is so important to us, when we look at the thoughts and the attitudes that infiltrate our hearts and minds, what is at the top of the charts? That's not a comfortable thought, is it? God says, my word, we were just studying this today, Colossians 2, let the word of Christ, Colossians 3, excuse me, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, richly, this abundance. We're not just checking a box on Sunday morning, although what would we do without this meal of God's word, but it's something that we live in all of the time. My word needs to be a part of your life. It's almost like you can't go through encounters without thinking through Bible passages or accounts or stories that you've learned before. And yet so easily our Bibles collect dust. That app is several swipes away. Oh, and there's social media first. Whoop, that distracts us. And God's word gets set aside as other things take priority. God says, your offerings, it's a work of your heart that you would give out of gratitude. God already owns it all. We're just borrowing it and managing it for a time, but that we would give first fruit offerings as a sacrifice, willing to support God and also to support others. But then when we think about the recreations and the toys and the trips and everything else, when we analyze it, is it first fruits or is it leftovers? I can analyze my life, and I'll be honest with you, how many times and in how many ways can I identify God saying this and my actions fall under another category? The title is, but I don't want to. Can you relate? I think you can. So was the problem really just that they had the same language? No. The problem was their reverence before the sovereign and almighty God. Their problem was also that they were building this tower. They're not climbing the stairway to heaven before that became a song. They were making a name for themselves. Now, you might think this is kind of weird. Like, if, if I all of a sudden decided I want to make a name for myself, and the number one way I want to do that is by building a tower in my backyard, 
I become one of those cuckoo for Cocoa Puff neighbors. You know what that, those are? They're the neighbors that when you're outside and they go outside, you're like, oh, someone's calling me, and you quick go inside real quick. Maybe you have neighbors like that. I hope you're not one of those neighbors. But if I were to build a tower, I would be one of those neighbors. Making a name for yourself by building a tower, this is kind of weird. But we build other towers proverbially, don't we? I mean, think of what we do with our jobs as we pour ourselves into our tasks wanting people to respect us, wanting to accrue enough wealth, is, is that not building some type of structure, whether it's in relationships and respect or even in assets or even in, inv- in investing in relationships, our marriage and our kids? We don't have to be helicopter parents in order to find value retroactively from our kids. Because if our kids are more and more successful, well, then that looks good on us, like we're doing something right, We can all be building towers in many ways. This is not just some story of people who decided to put some bricks and mortar together and they were silly about it. This is about people who forgot where they stood under God. This is about people who were building their own name and notoriety and finding value in themselves and in their accomplishments rather than in the promises of the God who saves. And so could it be that God was going to give them the number one thing that they needed? Confusion. God was not going to let these people walk farther and farther away from him. Imagine if he just sat on his divine lazy boy and said, you know, I think I'm I'm, going to let this one play out. Let's see what they do. No, in fact, he tells us what would happen. Nothing would be impossible for them, and they would continue to walk farther and farther from the Lord. And you know, God just so happens to have a way of exercising his almighty control, even in subtle ways, like now you speak Swahili, and now all of a sudden you speak Farsi, and now you speak French, or what have you. He has a way of even doing those subtle things for our good. Does he not do the same for you? How many times did you have your whole life figured out? You knew this is it. This is the yellow brick road to my happiness right here. And all of a sudden, what did God do? Whoop! He threw one little wrench in the system, made you take a different path that you never foresaw. And it may have been challenging, and it may have been hard. You might even have a lot of regret over it, but you can never ever say that God doesn't have your best interest at heart. Look at where you are right now, basking in the grace and the forgiveness of a God who loves you and has saved you through his son. Look at where you are, surrounded by a family of believers who loves you and cares for you. Yes, we're imperfect this side of heaven, but God's design is perfect, that we would love one another. My peace I give, I don't give to you as the world gives, Jesus said. Do not let your hearts be troubled. My peace I give to you. What's better than that? This is what you have right now. Could it be that this confusion was for their good? So in spite of the fact that they were able to speak one language and they were so connected, they would have to leave with the only thing that God gave them prior. And what was that? His promises. His promises. So people who live in a post-Babel society, look at where we are. We are more connected than ever before. And yet, has that all worked out for our good? We have more access to ourselves and to the world than ever before. And that's going really well? 
How many facades exist? How much confusion permeates? How much conflict do you see? We are people standing outside the gates watching this giant tower fall to the ground around us. Call it whatever you want to call it, but we are witnessing it in our own day and time. All of the ingenuity, all of the wisdom, technology is going to save everything. Look around you. And then honestly, look inside of you. How easily does it creep inside the walls of your own head and your own heart to create conflict with brothers and sisters in Christ because of politics? Like in 10 years, is it going to matter? Maybe. But but we're blood-bought souls and family believers. If someone's on the other side of uh, the aisle or whatever political color, like, really? So easily it even infiltrates the Christian church family. Cultural issues out there, the, the fact that we can't have respectful disagreements with people, but we would allow confusion to create conflict, even among Christians, we're the ones who own the, own the farm on grace and forgiveness. It is the banner that we live under. We should be the ones who are beaming lights of grace and forgiveness, seeking to understand before we want to be understood. But are we? And that's what Pentecost is all about. God puts his Holy Spirit on full display so we would check our confirmation bias and our baggage at the door and instead approach God as nothing but an empty vessel that he would fill with his spirit. And where is his spirit working? In spite of the confusion, he is working through the promises that we have in his word. Isn't that what we see at Pentecost? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia, all of these places, they what? They hear the wonders of God in their own language. And look at where you are. Has God said, I need a, I need a 301 level education from you first before I start to communicate my saving blessings to you? No. Little children, guess, guess what they get to hear? I am Jesus, little lamb, ever glad at heart I am. For my shepherd gently guides me, knows my needs and well provides me, loves me every day the same, even calls me by my name. Little children, what do they know? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Words. Words that not only cut through the confusion, Words that are grace upon grace are God's way of taking his saving blessing and bringing it to each and every one of us. Think of it. As you stand beneath God, you don't worry what he thinks about you. All you hear is him saying things to you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Those are God's words, Hebrews 13. You're worried about your guilt, your past, your sins of your present. You're forgiven. My peace I leave with you. Jesus still, through his word, lifts up his hands to show you the wounds which prove that your debt has been paid, your sin has been erased, and your guilt has been canceled, and you now stand as his own child, and he's already there preparing a place for you with your name on it. 
What seems to be so lost in the confusion around us becomes quite clear so long as we are looking through the lens that the Spirit gives us. It is God's Word. It is God's Word. Still to this day, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It is that one thing that God has made accessible to us through his word, and it just so happens to be also the thing that he used, his word, to transform our hearts and lives, to create faith by the power of the Spirit. So this would be something that we possess together as a family of believers. Calling on the name of the Lord. Sure enough, God still keeps his promises. So might I encourage you to exercise, not just today and tomorrow and this week, but for the rest of your life, can I encourage you, I have to give you the definition though, spirit confusion. No, 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 I don't want you to be confused about spiritual things. I don't want you to start reading your Bible cross-eyed. That wouldn't help. What I mean is this. Just as it might be helpful for you if you exercise to maybe do something different every now and again to confuse your muscles and that can help, so too, take everything that you hear in this world, everything, everything that you already think, everything, even the things that you prefer and like, and test whether or not those things are clear. Use the Spirit himself to confuse those things by analyzing God's word. That is your measure. That is your guide. And God who is faithful will still continue to work by the power of his word to restore you to remind you, to confront you, maybe even in a healthy way, to confuse you so that you would see the only thing that brings clarity at the end of the day. This name of the Lord which saves, Jesus. Amen. Please stand.